Welcome to Gay Ambitions with your host, Paul Collington, featuring inspiring entrepreneurs and advocates sharing success stories and actionable career advice, bringing out the best in the business and the LGBT community. Welcome to Gay Ambitions, where we bring out the best in business. I am really excited to be here with Joey Amato. We had planned a Facebook Live session that didn't quite work out, so we just agreed to maybe do a follow-up in Nashville or find another way to broadcast. But we're really excited to get started on this. I started this project almost five years ago and definitely wanted to get back into the game. We have other interviews going live, and the idea is to push this out to iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and all the other podcast platforms. I think our guest today, Joey Amato, embodies the heart of the message of Gay Ambitions, which is to inspire people to do the things that they've always dreamed of and hear advice from others who have done so and overcome obstacles. Joey definitely has his pulse on the LGBT community and the entertainment community. He's originally from New York, lives in Nashville, has an MBA from Rollins College, and built a career in public relations working with musical artists. He recently founded Agency 33, a new full-service lifestyle and entertainment PR firm based in Nashville, Tennessee, which specializes in publicity and tour press for musicians and fine artists. Joey, thank you so much for being here with me. Thanks so much, Paul. This is really exciting. I'm glad to be part of the show. Absolutely. And so this is a brand new endeavor for you. I feel like we got you at the perfect time. How did you decide to start your own firm? I've been in PR or publishing in some capacity for the past 10 years, pretty much my entire career. I've gone in and out of publishing, in and out of publicity. And when I moved to Nashville, I didn't have any connections to the entertainment industry in Nashville. So I started an LGBT magazine called Unite, which I since ceased publishing. But I took a position with a PR company in Nashville where I got to learn the ropes and get to meet the players and the industry here as well as the media. And a year later, I feel confident that I could do my own thing and and see what happens. You know, I'm offering a service in my company that is truly unique to Nashville, which is an LGBT outreach component. No other PR company in Nashville is doing that. I think I may have some sort of unique angle, I guess you could say. Who is your ideal client? Is it mainly musical artists that you work with? 90% 90% of the time it's going to be musical artists, especially for the tour press component. Tour press isn't a common term for people outside the industry. What that means is basically if Madonna is going into a market into Los Angeles and tickets aren't selling very well or she needs an extra push, I'll go into that market and do some media surrounding that particular concert, um, basically to create buzz and help sell tickets. And that's what tour press is. Basically, if an artist has 40 or 50 dates a year, I'll go to each individual market and get local media um, for that artist. So to answer your question, um, yes, musicians are my biggest client category-wise, but I still am able to do other sorts of PR, whether it's for restaurants or fashion entities or anything like that. That's really exciting. For someone either starting a business like yourself or maybe even 
somebody who's a client who's getting started with touring, what advice would you give them about defining their target market? Hmm, that's a tricky question. In music, you sort of could overlap in a few markets and then be okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, you take an an artist like Cher and she has a multi-generational audience. Right. Our parents were listening to her, we're listening to her. You know, there's two or three generations at a concert. So I think the market has to evolve with the music as well. Yeah. I, I don't encourage people to really target their market so specific that they can't grow out of it. Yeah. You know, it's it's always good to expand into a new market, but when you really come out as a new artist and then narrow your market too much, it could hurt you in the same way. Got it. That makes sense. So we all obviously need money to support ourselves, both you, I, musicians, anybody starting a business. And usually a venture that you spend a lot of time building also comes from a place of passion. Where does that passion come from for you? And what do you enjoy most about your work? I just love the entertainment industry. A lot of people, I I think back to The Devil Wears Prada, and this is not to sound um, negative anyway. But there's a scene, the scene where Miranda says, everybody wants to be us. And it's kind of interesting because some days it's a job. You know, it's, right. it's, a, it's a real job. We have to do office work. We have to do administrative things that everybody else does. But you get those days where you're backstage at the Grand Ole Opry or seeing Dolly Parton from the side of the stage or going to photo shoots and and video shoots. Those are the things that makes this job different and unique. And a lot of people out there would die for that opportunity to be in this industry. And sometimes we take it for granted. So I always think of Miranda when she says, everybody wants to be us, but sometimes (laughs) you got to think that way. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a great movie. I love it. I would imagine in your industry, working with these big artists, you have big egos that you have to deal with. And sometimes that probably comes with rejection, whether you're pitching a story or you're trying to score an interview. How do you deal with rejection and still find the inspiration to move forward? Well, let's take artists aside. When we're pitching media, you know, we'll get 40 no's and one yes. Um, It's basically just a numbers game. Unless you're dealing with an artist like Britney or Dolly or or somebody who's really high profile, you're going to get a lot of no's if it's somebody who's not as popular. And it's my job to turn those no's into yeses and convince these, these outlets that, yes, they may not be an arena act, but their story is great, their music is great, and take a chance, write, an, write a story on this artist. Yeah. Um, and they could be the next big thing, right? It could be. A, a lot of media, especially um, today, because a lot of media is declining, print media anyway, so that your, your space, new articles and new artists is declining. So it's sort of a thrill. You know, I've been doing this for 10 years, and I still get a rush when 
a media outlet says, yes, I'd like to interview your artist. Another thing, Joey, that I follow with you is your Pride Wire newsletter. And I noticed that recently in one of the issues you had an LGBT artist featured, his name was Joey Suarez. And I was just yes. curious if you have any stories about up-and-coming artists we should look out for or maybe what you're, what you're tuning into. Well, Joey and I connected through social media, actually, and he's an incredible, incredible artist. He just released his latest single, Love Me Back. It's on Spotify right now. It is, in my opinion, one of the, the better new songs I've heard all year. It's EDM, but he has a great voice, very talented. I encourage everybody to go check that out. He just played San Antonio Pride. He was in New York Pride. And I think he's getting ready to announce a few more dates for later this year and next year. So definitely go check him out. He's definitely up and coming. Exciting. I love it when you notice an artist early on or your friend tells you about it. And then a couple years later, you're like, wow, that's Nicki Minaj or something like that. That's, that's exactly. You just, yeah. you never know where that new artist is going to come from. Yeah. Um, you look at Bieber, you know, I mean, he had Usher behind him, but who would have thought it's all timing. It's, it's all who, you know, if the right song gets in the right hands and the artist cuts it the right way, look at how many songs are cut by multiple artists and, and some are hit, some are not. Right. Are there any lessons that you've learned in your career? You said you've been in PR for about 10 years now. Are there any lessons that stand out that maybe you wish you would have known before you got started? A little before I got into PR, I decided I wanted to be a manager of a boy band. Now, not only were they Canadian, which isn't the issue, I love Canada, uh, but I didn't realize how much money it took to start a boy band. They were already together when we met, and they were they had fairly decent amount of success in their hometown of Windsor, Ontario. Their name was Intense. And I decided it was going to be a brilliant idea to take them to Europe and try to break them yeah. in Europe. And it cost a fortune to yeah. try to do that. I had no idea what I was doing. I had the ambition to do it. Right. I had the vision. They were, they were talented, but we just didn't have the connections over there. Looking back, I would not have done that. It was just too costly and it sounded fun and exciting. And it, Back then, I don't want to take anything away from the experience, though, because we actually opened for a band called Blue mm -hmm. at Wembley Arena in London, two nights. So we got to play Wembley, which yeah. is a huge accomplishment for any artist. And, you know, looking back, I could say how many, I don't know, any of my friends who ever, A, managed a boy band, right. or B, had played Wembley Arena. I mean, I wasn't in the band, but I was there, you know, backstage. So it, it, it was fun. I wouldn't change it. I would just probably do things a bit smarter. Sounds like it's still an accomplishment. And I mean, if you were to do something like that in the future, do you have a better idea now from that experience of like what kind of resources it would take? Like maybe you need a half a million dollars or you need a loan or you need 
you know, a certain connection in order to make it happen? First of all, and this is going to show you how old I am, this was before MySpace. MySpace had just started. Wow. Okay. So what year is that? <laughs> I think um, MySpace was like, became really popular in 04, 05. Yeah, so we're talking uh, about 15 years ago-ish. Yeah, it was a while ago. I know more about the business now, and I'm smarter yeah. than I was back then. Um, I wouldn't be as risky, and I learned the importance of building a local fan base. So what would have made more sense for us with Intense is to – I mean, they, they were from Windsor, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Build a fan base there. Go to the next city in Ontario, then Toronto, and build a Canadian fan base that's regional rather than saying, okay, let's try to pick up and go to London, yeah. and let's do a show, a one-off show in New York. Yeah. You know, it, just, it didn't make sense the way – I didn't think it through properly. Yeah. And knowing what I know now, I would have done things a lot different. And so MySpace was kind of one of the first major social media platforms before Facebook blew up. And of course, we we now have Twitter and Pinterest and Instagram and Snapchat and all of them. So what unique challenges does PR face today with all of these different channels? How do we overcome the noise and make sure that our message is heard as a best practice? Well, the problem is everything is instant. So from a news perspective, the news outlets are, are turning to social media outlets. You know, there's really – if something happens, whether it's a stock market crash or um, whatever it is, it's on social media first. You don't even have to turn the TV on. So a lot of people – as social media becomes more popular, traditional media – is struggling and trying to find their footing and trying to determine what their viewer, what's going to draw more, more viewers and more eyes to their outlet because their revenue is declining because of that. Right. Ten years ago when there wasn't social media, everybody was watching TV in some capacity yeah. or reading a print magazine or reading a book. Well, not a book. People don't advertise in books, but a newspaper. Yeah. Um, now with social media – your, your audience is divided, which means you can't charge the same amount of money for an advertisement as you were because your audience is smaller. Right. And that's what's hurting a lot of um, print publications right now, specifically. It's funny to me. You turn on the TV nowadays, like cable news, for example, because everything, everything is instant. And what they're talking about are tweets from our president, for example. I know we weren't going to get into talking about Donald Trump, but just the fact that the media is reporting tweets is kind of it's it's kind of it feels backwards. But you're right; it's it's instant. It's a bit crazy to think of what's going on. It almost feels like it's a a weird dream slash nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and. It's almost like you're you're thinking to yourself, did that really happen? Like, is our president tweeting? Twitter to me is not my favorite outlet. Yeah, I just I didn't get into it when it first started. I'm still not into it. I'm more of a Facebook, Instagram person. Yeah, um, but everybody has their own outlets. Right. You know, I tell people who I have some clients come to me and say, "Hey, I want to be on every single social media outlet." I'm like, "Okay, bad idea." Yeah. First of all, 
having them is great, but if you can't engage your audience and if you can't update them on a regular basis, it's useless. Yeah. I tell I tell clients to pick two of the seven or eight outlets and and do them well, learn them well, engage with your fans on those two outlets, and that's how you're going to build your audience. Then if, if you're successful with that, then add a third one. But to do it all at once is, is just very difficult and time-consuming, and usually it all, it all fails. Yeah, I heard that Instagram has a live component and also a storybook component. Have you explored those at all with any of your clients or for yourself? I, I'm not as familiar with those. I'm not familiar with them either. I know they have them. I've never used them for anything at this point. Yeah. I, I have friends that do, and I scroll through it, and it's it's like Snapchat. And honestly, I'm not a fan of Snapchat either. Me I just either. don't find a way to engage as much. And that, that may, may be a generational thing, you know? Snapchat is targeting a younger demographic. Yeah. The the tween market, the, millenni- the younger millennials, really embrace Snapchat. Whereas I think the older millennials... And even our parents are more into Facebook and possibly Instagram, maybe a little bit of Twitter. But I just don't think Snapchat, I, I don't know how to use it properly. Yeah, I guess neither say. do I. I. Because it disappears, and you're right, I think it has a really, really young audience. So I think for some brands, it works really well, but I definitely haven't mastered that one either. I love the vision for your business and the fact that you do PR for these artists and other types of companies and you specifically help them target a LGBT audience. And I'm wondering in this more open-minded world that we live in, what challenges to do LGBT artists still have to overcome? Well, there's always going to be a, a segment of the population that is not supportive in any way, shape or form. And that's always going to be a struggle. And to change the mindsets of those people is an uphill battle. I tell artists not to worry about that, you know. There's always going to be people who don't support you for being gay or or they're not going to support. There's always two sides to everything, yeah. you know. There's Republicans and Democrats, you know. They don't support the same thing. So the entire population of the United States or North America is not going to support an artist for whatever reason. There's gay people who love Madonna, gay people who hate Madonna. You just can't change the minds of some people. So I think it's just good to embrace your fan base. And if that happens to include a segment of the LGBT population, great. If not, you could try to push for it. And make, maybe make an effort, play a Pride Festival or two, maybe try to get some interviews in some publications. But if that's not their thing, that's not their thing. If it's not authentic, it'll hurt the artist as much as it could help them. In the world we live in today, you can do almost everything without even leaving your house, including certain types of work and interviews like this. And I believe that makes networking and in-person events more important than ever. And I think we first met at an LGBT business conference in Fort Lauderdale a few years ago. 
and it looks from online like you're always traveling and up to new things. So I'm curious what you've been up to recently and what kind of events you tend to go to in order to network and to surround yourself around like-minded people. Sure. I was just in St. Petersburg, Florida for the IGLTA conference, which is the International Gay and Lesbian Travels Association. And that was great networking. There's people from around the world who go to that. The NGLCC conference, which is where we met, yeah. is next month in, in Las Vegas. I don't think I'll be at that this year. Okay. I'm actually going to San Antonio, actually. I also do a lot of fine art PR. So one of our clients is Peter Max, who's an iconic artist from the 60s and 70s. So he's exhibiting in San Antonio, ironically, where Joey Suarez lives. Oh, so wow. Joey and I are going to hang out, and he's going to show me around the town. I've never been there, so it should be fun. And then I also do some work with OutClick Magazine, which is a South Florida-based LGBT publication and app. So I'm going down there in early August to meet with them and talk about strategy and how we could expand their business. OutClick is a really great brand. They started mid to late last year. And there's a print component to it as well. It's just a, a well-run publication, and I'm glad to be part of the team in an editorial and marketing capacity. So uh, I try to get down there every few months just to sort of meet with the team and go over ideas and, and figure out how we could grow the business. That's really exciting. Yeah, we will definitely, after this interview, link to all the different artists and organizations that you mentioned as part of this. And I'm curious, do you work with anyone else at Agency 33 in Nashville? Well, we just signed um, country music star Lori Morgan. Lori is incredible. I was working with her at the last company I worked for, and, you know, she's had a ton ton of hits throughout her career. Nice. She is probably one of the most professional artists I've ever worked with. And having been in her team, involved with her team for so long, it's really an honor that she took the risk and came with me for this new venture. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. So, I mean, some songs that she you probably know is like, Watch Me, Five Minutes, Except for Monday, What Part of No... If you go way back and listen to country radio in the 90s, it was all Lori Morgan's. <laughs> and she has a new album coming out later this year. It's a duets album with Pam Tillis. And I got to listen to it before the public, and it is incredible. So you'll be hearing about that soon as well. Very cool. Can't wait to hear it. So as a business owner, how do you master all the different parts of your business? So like, Obviously, you have to form the business itself. You have to handle the marketing. You do the networking. How do you learn a new skill that you need to, to learn just in order to run your business? It's time-consuming. Yeah. I mean, when you're a one-man show, you have to do everything. Yeah. And when I had Unite Magazine, you know, from the, from the, for the first part of the publication, I did all the editorial. Not all the editorial. I had writers, but I organized the editorial I did the sales, did the marketing, did the PR. I didn't know how to do the website, so I had to bring in somebody for that. Then a few months into the business, I brought in a business partner, Blake, and he actually designed the magazine and did the website. So that was his area of expertise. And I still handled everything else. Yeah. But So luckily I had Blake 
with me to sort of run the company. And the two of us worked well together because we had different strengths. Yeah. I think if, if you have to know your strengths, you can't be the master of everything. Right. If there's a, if there's a component of the business you're not good at, whether it's accounting or, or the website or digital stuff, find somebody who knows how to do it. You yeah. know, if, if you want to make them a partner in the, in the business, that's something to consider if you don't have the cash to pay them for their services. You know, I didn't have money to pay Blake for his services, so I was like, hey, why don't you become a partner? So he became a, a partial owner of Unite. Yeah, I loved Unite. I think I did a, a couple of different articles and interviews for, for your publication. You did. You were in Unite Business when we did that. Yes, I loved that one. I remember you. It was great. Yeah, it was a really, really good publication. But... I think it was ahead of its time. Yeah, actually. I agree. I agree. I remember you actually sent me a bunch of magazines I distributed in the Denver LGBT Center. So that's a fond memory I have of it. Yes. <laughs> I, I was proud of that magazine. You know, we got a lot of positive feedback from corporations, from, from individual readers. Yeah. It just, I don't know why it didn't take off. Yeah. I think the content was there. Maybe the fact that we were trying to be a national magazine hurt. Maybe. And we, we, were, we couldn't really build a fan base in one specific market. I'm not sure what it was. Well, it sounds like you're doing amazing now, so I'm really excited to follow your work. and you know. I'm always trying to do something crazy. So. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so thank you for spending this time with me today, Joey. Is there any other advice you would give to somebody who's starting out in their career? Maybe they work in a job but they want to move into something else or maybe they want to change industries or maybe they want to start a business what advice would you give to them i would tell them to just do it there's no better time than today to do it because what's going to happen is you're going to look back 10 years from now and you're going to say i wish i would have done that yeah if you don't you know what there's a i'm going to i'm going to mess this quote up but there's a saying that says you have to fail seven or eight times before you succeed or something like that. Yeah. And that's true for, for everything that I did too. I mean, I failed the, the boy band. I mean, the boy band wasn't a failure, just the, the business was. I tried other things right. that didn't work out, but you don't know unless you don't try, if, unless you try it. Yeah. I mean, what, what happens if you stumble across something big and it blows up and it becomes the next Facebook or the next Twitter or even uh, the next Vogue magazine, you don't know unless you try it. Right. And I think that's just along the lines of what you were saying earlier about to pitch to a publication, you know, you have to send 40 emails to get a yes. It's the same thing with the new Endeavor. It's it's a numbers game. It Only really is. Have, have when I is. launched Agency 33, you know, I sent the press release to PR industry magazines. I sent it to music industry magazines. And luckily for me, People picked it up and wrote about it. Yeah. So that helped. It's hard to create buzz for a PR company. A lot of publications don't write about PR companies, but we were so different, offering that LGBT component, yeah. that we were unique to Nashville and unique to our industry. Yeah. So I think that's what made it a story. Where can listeners find you online? Online, well, agency three, agency agency thirty three pr.com. Okay. And it's the numbers three three. PR.com. And then I'm on Facebook. So 
at Instagram. I don't, what's my Instagram? I think it's Joey Amato thirty three. Let me check this out, really. Yeah, yeah. Joey Amato thirty three. Is thirty three a lucky a lucky number for you? It's my favorite number. I, I love, love thirty three. <laughs> Good to know. All right. Well, thank you for so much for spending this time with me, Joey. Thank you, Paul. I really appreciate it.